Hello and welcome to another episode of Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host Stuart Neil and joining me tonight are co-hosts Mark Hammer. Hello. And Adam Ducker. Hello, hello. We are just having a sort of a chilled night tonight. Um, we are going to discuss some games played. We will have a little mini topic as well. But we will start off with the price is just about right. is just about right. Adam, what have you bought? Uh, quite a bit. So some of them was things I pre-ordered a while ago and then a few are things that kind of came up along the way. So uh, Super Mario Odyssey and Shadow of War are both two that I had uh, pre-ordered quite some time ago. So they came in, uh, cheap uh, prime pre-orders from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, SteamWorld Dig and Golf Story both came out on Switch. Um, mm-hmm. So I picked those two up day one. Uh, Cuphead finally came out after years and years and years of waiting. <laughs> um, so picked up for full price. And then, uh, Sociable Soccer, which is made by the creator, uh, John Hare, the creator of Sensible Soccer, mm-hmm. was just released in early access on PC. So I've picked up that. Um, and I guess I'll talk a little bit about them all when I get to what I've been playing, kind of. But yeah. Nothing I regret purchasing. The pre-orders were a bit cheaper because of the prime discount, but everything else yeah. was full price, but who cares? Mm. <laughs> What about yourself, Mark? Um, I know you're still working through your pile of shame as such. Um, <laughs> yeah. But have you have you picked anything up? I haven't touched the pile of shame really. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked and bought um, Gran Turismo Sport, but as per our ruling, I I made a generous donation to a charity to offset that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then I've also gone and bought the new Call of Duty because a bunch of people, a bunch of my mates at work, were, like we were all excited to be like playing Battlefront together. Mm. And then we've all decided that that game seems really scummy. So we decided mm. to get Call of Duty World War 2 instead. Even with all the backlash against the loot boxes that seem to be dropped <laughs> onto the beach and everything. Oh, yeah. And, and like getting the missions to uh, watch other people open their loot boxes. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's bad but hey you know <laughs> past uh lgr guest john denton gave it a recommended in eurogamer as for myself then um actually talking about john denton um i received the copy of dirt 4 um on ps4 that i won while watching his twitch stream um <laughs> as i don't currently have a ps4 i traded that in and got yoshi's woolly world and a falco amiibo nice that's all my purchases anyway yoshi's woolly world is a lovely game it is yeah it's uh, one of those you smile whilst you're playing it yeah, it's the fact that it even has like a little mellow mode as well, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> an, yeah. awful, an awful lot of the games <laughs> that you kick into, you know, have, right, do you want to go for the really, really hard version? And this one mm. just goes, yeah, we've got a mellow mode. Take your time. Yeah, that seems to be becoming a, a bit of a common theme with uh, Nintendo games. Uh, well, some mm. Nintendo games. Um, I don't think there's an easy mode for uh, Breath of the Wild, but uh, mm-hmm. the new Mario's got basically an easy mode where it makes things... Assist mode. That's it, yeah, assist mode, yeah, where it makes things a lot more kid-friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, even the, what, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has the assisted steering and everything as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and auto-accelerate yeah. and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, it's a very nice little touch, and, you know, again... It comes down to it's not just for gamers, but it's looking at them from an accessibility standpoint, not just necessarily looking at a difficulty to be difficult. Mm. Um, you have to think there's an awful lot of other gamers out there who need that mode um, to be able to enjoy the games. Otherwise, they just wouldn't be able to play them at all. So, yeah, you know, thumbs up for Nintendo and any other um, developers and things that actually put those options in, even if they do get a backlash from other areas of the gaming community hmm. um, for putting them in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Okay, we will move on to recently played then. Um, uh, Mark, go ahead. Uh, so, yes. First of all, I've been playing a lot of Gran Turismo Sport, the first Gran Turismo release on the current generation of consoles. And somehow, Turn 10 managed to bring out a game, a Forza game, every single year and keep the quality level up you know, to a, yeah. a decent level, depending on your opinion. <laughs> Some mm. people have been a little bit annoyed about their recent releases, but Polyphony take a very long time to release a Gran Turismo game. And so this new one is kind of 
disappointed a lot of people because it's been such a long time because it's the first one and the, the, the new generation mm-hmm. the people have been disappointed to find out that it is not the gran turismo they're used to it's not what gran turismo used to be it's not a numbered gran turismo game uh, yeah. and uh, polyphony and sony have tried pretty hard to uh, explain to the public what th- this game is not like the old gran turismo games so instead of like the gran turismo games of the past you buy a second-hand honda civic and mm. race you know, against other crappy second-hand old Japanese cars uh, until you got enough money to buy something nicer and then you progress and so on and so forth. Mm. This game doesn't really have a single player. Well, it's got a campaign, but the campaign is made of licensed tests or like driving tests like the old license mm. tests you have in Gran Turismo before, uh, challenges, and then basically the game training you corner by corner every track in the game you keep hammering away at a particular corner until you've worked out how to take that corner perfectly and then you move on to the next corner of that track and so on and so forth and the, basically the whole thing is training you for what is the the meat and potatoes of the game which is racing online the only time you can race against the computer is um in arcade modes and i don't think you really get anything for that arcade mode is the only mode you can actually access if if the granted most servers are down or if you if your internet connection's down because the rest of the game is okay. completely online and so it's upset a lot of people because it's not a traditional Gran Turismo game but for what it but what it is I really really like mm-hmm. so yeah it's just online races uh, every day there will be three daily races on different tracks that will be rotating so you'll have like a, a race on the hour a race 20 past the hour and a race 22 or something like that mm-hmm. and so you jump into a race and uh, in the 15 20 minutes or whatever before the race starts you just keep running the the, the track trying to set the fastest um, lap time and then it will match you in a lobby full of other players based on uh both your driver skill and the thing that it emphasizes a lot your sportsmanship rating as in how cleanly you drive as oh okay they've done that in forza before yeah yeah uh, and it's a big thing in um online sims like uh, i racing like the, mm-hmm. the safety rating and that so as long as you're as long as you race cleanly you will allow a car that's obviously faster than you to overtake you and you're not you're not causing a ruckus on the track you're not using other cars to slow down uh, then your safety rating will go up and you'll get to play with other clean players and all the scumbags get chucked in a lobby with other scumbags which is great um <laughs> but yeah it's it's just it's it's super hard it's super satisfying i have i'm yet to win a race but i don't care because it's just really fun like i did i took part in one of the um actual fia accredited nations cup races the other day and it was Mm -hmm. like an epic 25 lap race on suzuka and i was never ever going to get anywhere near the front but i spent the entire race with uh in in a battle for eighth position which you know nobody cares about eighth position but (laughs) i really cared about eighth position it was just ah it was it was so much fun if you want a traditional campaign, lots of single player content and things like that, it's, I think Forza is your only choice at the moment. But if you want to get into like online competitive sim racing and you don't have a PC, uh, then Gran Turismo Sports probably your only option really. Aside from maybe Project Cars and Assetto Corsa. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's very different to, to what Gran Turismo was in the past, uh, but I absolutely love it. Mm. Having a racing game where the, it needs that connection to the servers is a little bit concerning. Yes. Um, the fact that basically unless you're now going to pick up that game within maybe the next six months-ish, mm-hmm. there's a good chance then that if you do ever pick it up, then there'll either be the servers will be cut off or there'll be nobody on the servers even. So yeah, that's definitely a concern about it. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are a number of concerns. Um, the number of tracks is not massive. The number of cars mm. is not massive. There's something like 170. Um, but a lot of those cars are variations on the same car. Oh, okay. So there's, there's probably maybe a hundred individual unique cars in the game. Now they're mm. adding more, uh, and there is other, there's like a second currency, which usually gets alarm bells ringing. Um, mm-hmm. second currency called mileage points, but you cannot buy them. They're not for sale. Oh, okay. They just, you earn those, uh, and you can spend those on other cars that will pop up for a while for sale, which you cannot buy any other way. And so, mm-hmm. uh, and apparently there's going to be lots of free content down the line, but I, I mean, it, it's, it's, this that's, it is a legitimate worry. This game is designed for a very specific subset of a very specific subset of gamers. That sort of racing game doesn't have a massive audience anyway, really. 
compared to something like Need for Speed. Yeah. But then you're asking, you're designing a game for the hardest of the hardcore of that particular subset of gamers. Uh, the only reason, is, the only glimmer of hope is that games like iRacing have something like 20 odd thousand active subscribers are on their service and there are 60 something million playstation 4s out there uh so hopefully there's going to be a, a decent number of of people playing it for, for a good amount of time but um already if you jump on at the wrong time of day you're going to get into a lobby that's only half full um, yeah. which isn't you know isn't the same as uh, having full 20 24 cars on a track yeah. Will it even start the races then with a half full lobby? Yes. Yeah. We'll start the races. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, at least that's something then. Yeah. And it's very good at matchmaking drivers who are uh, of a similar skill level and a similar sportsmanship level. Um, cleanliness, you know, clean racing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird game, um, and it, the game is absolutely stunning. I mean, it probably doesn't look quite as good as uh, something like Forza Seven running on um, a top spec PC or the Xbox One X, because um, mm. it's running at f- uh, I think it's running at checkerboard twenty one sixty, so it's like it's not native four K, but it runs at a buttery smooth sixty frames a second, and the um, replays are absolutely gorgeous. Cool. Apart from that, Call of Duty World War Two, I picked it up uh, yesterday, so I haven't really played too much of that. Haven't touched the campaign. Only played one round of zombies. Uh, played a bit of the multiplayer. Haven't had a chance to experience what the HQ, the new social hub area, is like properly mm-hmm. because Activision servers are a mess at the moment, uh, <laughs> as they are every single year when they release a new Call of Duty. It's like they yeah. don't realise the, the the demand they're going to have for their game and don't turn on enough, enough service for it. But so far, what I've experienced with the multiplayer is fun in a way that I haven't found Call of Duty in a long time mm. because it's got none of that, you know, exosuits and double jumps and wall runs and a million attachments and sci-fi yeah. guns and, and whatnot. It's just, you know, boots on the ground, old school. Yeah, it's back to being a Call of Duty game as opposed to aping something like Titanfall 2. Yes. Yeah. It feels like how it did when you, you know, back in the um, Modern Warfare days. Yeah. It's slowed down a bit. It's stripped down a bit. And yeah, it's, I'm having having a bit of a blast with it. I'm having a lot of fun with it, actually, in a way that I hadn't with a Call of Duty game in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still early days. Yeah. I've been playing uh, a decent amount of Assassin's Creed Origins, and that game is very good. Uh, it's still got some jank and some bugs, um, but it's definitely benefited from having the year off. I've clicked with it more than some people might because it's set in a particular period of history that I find quite interesting. Mm-hmm. The character, the, the character you're playing with, is also uh, a lot more engaging and fun to play as than some of the other. Assassin's Creed protagonists have been in the past mm. but yeah it's it's very different to how it used to be uh, it's absolutely massive um, the combat's been completely overhauled how how's it overhauled like is it not I saw something about it not being just all based on like animations now it's more freeform kind of yeah well you know how you used to have like the Batman style combat almost in a way so like yeah. you'd be surrounded by a bunch of enemies and they would very helpfully attack you one at a time and all you needed to do was press the parry button and you would yeah, one yeah. one shot to go through an animation and kill them and then the next willing victim would step up uh, this time enemies will attack you all at the same time they will flank you they'll break your guard they're a lot more aggressive um, but then your move sets changed quite a lot it's using kind of like the dark souls style where it's where it's like hold uh l1 to go into like a guard position and then r1 is light attack and r2 is heavy attack and you're having to do Mm. combinations of that and parries and dodges um so it's a lot more involved than the combat's been before and it's it's i'm really really enjoying it but then i've also put in loot lots and lots and lots of loot weapons and uh pieces of armor and uh, and whatnot of, of different quality levels you know like common rare legendary epic or whatever yeah overall the, 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 every change they've made shows that they put the year off to to good use um and this is mm-hmm. made by the black flag team and black flag was the last assassin's Creed game i really enjoyed and this one's on a level of that despite missing the thing that i loved the most about black flag it's still got some familiar problems there's still the stupid feet thing are you chasing someone down in the street and you run a little bit too close to an obstacle instead of running past it you'll try and climb <laughs> up it yeah which always annoyed the piss out of me but it does it does enough 
I think, to justify the time, the extra time they spent on it. It needed this change because that series is becoming very, very formulaic and kind of boring, I, even though I quite enjoyed Syndicate. And so this is... Uh, it's quite refreshing to play. But uh, I will reserve Final Judgment until I've actually finished it because uh, some Assassin's Creed games have completely fallen apart towards the end. So we'll see how this one goes. And then the last game I've been playing is uh, Super Mario Odyssey, which I finished on Sunday. Well, finished. I saw the credits on Sunday. I'm anywhere near finished <laughs> that game. I've gotten, I think I've got 250 moons and there's there's a thousand? 990, I think, or something. Nine, right, okay. Yeah, close enough to a thousand. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a hell of a lot to get um and there are still areas of the game that haven't opened for me yet yep. but yeah that game is it's just an absolute joy i've talked quite a bit so i think i'll probably leave talking more about uh <laughs> about um Mario Odyssey to adam because i know you've been playing it as well and you've probably played more than i have probably i can just go if we want yeah go ahead on so yeah i've been playing super mario odyssey um i also finished it i'm at 260 moons now mm-hmm. so i guess it does it does a pretty good job of incentivizing still collecting more moons after you finish it you unlock something at 250 you unlock extra costumes along the way um, mm-hmm. i've tried to stay spoiler free so i don't know at yeah. what point I think there's another major thing that I have left to unlock from what I've heard, which may be at like 500. But yeah, it's a really good game. Um, I think people that were looking for that return to kind of the Mario Sunshine, Super Mario 64 in particular, that kind of hub world and worlds. There are some weird little things with it. They have like the bigger challenges in each world where you get the moons, but it's also kind of weird how like, I guess because Zelda blew out the Zelda formula so much of all the shrines and picking up those power-ups, they kind of mm-hmm. also blew out Mario a bit. So then I found a lot of like this, what would have been like a whole level and an objective in like Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy, you kind of find yourself getting moons along the way for each of them kind of. So you'll come across mm-hmm. others or as part of it, like you'll, you'll knock down a bridge and it'll give you a moon, but that bridge is only as a way to get to like the top of a tower or something. So it's kind of interesting how they, I did worry about them like potentially like devaluing the like almost like uh, diminishing returns kind of if there's too many moons just scattered around that you didn't feel you weren't too much then it would kind of depreciate the values of the ones you weren't but i was actually yeah. like wrong that's what i expected coming into it but i was kind of wrong because there are still a lot that are definitely like well earned and a lot or a lot of them in like clever places or mm-hmm. things where they come unexpected and you kind of surprised so yeah i'm really enjoying it I have a bit of a bugbear with the motion controls too, because I don't like motion mm. controls. I played it with a pro controller, and there's some moves that you just can't do properly. Like some moves you can't do at all with just sticks, and then there's some moves it's kind of hard to do by just like jolting the pro controller up in the air. Are you, are you talking about throwing the cap straight up in the air? Yeah, that one. So because I've had problems with that one. Yeah. Yeah, like sometimes you'll just do the regular throw instead of throwing it up in the air, mm. and I don't really know that because. From the look of the Joy-Con, the timing is meant to be that you throw both Joy-Cons up in the air at the same time. Now, if you're holding the Pro Controller, the whole of the Pro Controller is going up at the same time because it's mm. one thing. So I'm not quite mm. sure. The spin attack thing where you can get Cappy to like spin around you is so much easier to do motion than it yeah. is to do with a stick. Mm. And then I've come across one moon so far that I could not figure out how you could get without motion controls. It's when you're transformed into a frog. And you kind of have to jump up super high to get it. I can't figure out how you would jump high enough without motion controls. Mm. And that particular mood's hard to do with the Joy-Con because as you're jumping, the timing just kind of feels off. Otherwise, it's a really good game. I don't think it's a question of whether it's a good game or not. For me, it's kind of where it falls in the like pantheon of Mario games. And I'm not a hundred percent sure. For me, it's better than Galaxy. Yeah. I and I'm not as it sounds like I hate the game, but I'm not as enamoured about the cap stuff as I think people are, because the caps just feel like they replace power-ups to me, because you do only use them for little incidental bits. You don't often keep them from piece to piece. It'll often make you resort back to being Mario. Mm-hmm. And then for the majority of the time, Cappy's almost just like a glorified boomerang that he used to attack stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, it sounds like I don't like it, but I did really like it. I did finish it over the space of, like, two and a half days, so I certainly enjoyed it. Being able to run around as a giant T-Rex with a Mario hat and a moustache. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of special. So that is, <laughs> that is special. But one thing I guess is that I do feel is 
Those moments where you can turn into the T-Rex and some of the more interesting things are few and far mm-hmm. between compared... Like the bullet bill, you only really yeah. use that like two or three times through like a mainline run kind of. Like I feel like the boring ones, the boring transformations are the ones that are more common. Yeah, yeah. Like if I have to attach to a pipe and turn into a bloody spark another time, like... There's nothing, there's very little involvement in that, but that's one of the most common ones. I really like the, um, uh, when you possess the, 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 the stretchy caterpillar things. Yes, that's a cool one. One thing that made me laugh the first time I saw it with the T-Rex is like, the second one you find, you know how like, uh, if an enemy's wearing a hat already, yes. um, you have to knock their hat off before you can take control yeah. of them. And then, yeah. like, the second time you find a T-Rex, it's walking around and it's wearing... Is it a top hat? Yeah, it is a top hat, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, I just saw that and thought, this is brilliant. I absolutely love that. Yeah. It's just a giant T-Rex wandering <laughs> around wearing a top hat. Yeah. I absolutely adore it. Every time I play it, I've got a massive smile on my face. It looks absolutely stunning. The The music's fantastic. I Yeah, it's really difficult to say anything about it without dropping massive spoilers about it because it's, it's each new world you go to is so different with new mechanics and new enemies and I don't want to spoil any of that for anyone who hasn't played it. No, mm. but yeah, good game. Nintendo are going to be... It's, it's going to be, it could be for a lot of publications, a showdown between Breath of the Wild and uh, Mario Odyssey for Game of the Year. For sure. And who would have seen that last year? Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's people yeah. that doubted that both would even come out this year. I know I doubted yeah. that mm. Mario Odyssey would. Mm. So yeah, good job. Uh, next thing I've been playing is Shadow of War. So yeah, so the sequel to Shadow of Mordor. It's exactly what you would expect from that game. They kind of, they mm. iterated on the Nemesis system in a way that's pretty interesting. Um, kind of building up these outposts thing and then you attack uh, the... They're called overlords of each section and they become almost like a strategic thing of you spending in-game currency, figuring out who you want to lead like your squads out of the orcs that you've kind of possessed. I finished the story and it is a bit mm-hmm. long in the tooth in that whereas in the first game you kind of had that first section where there was a lot of story missions but then also all the orcs and taking over that area in the kind of backdrop. They've now kind of, the story missions almost feel a little bit by the wayside and it just gives you a whole bunch of different areas to take over and it kind of feels like a step too far because i feel like in the first game when it threw you out of the original area you'd conquered and you had to enslave a whole bunch or defeat a whole bunch of new orcs it was kind of cool but in this time there's like four different areas you have to do it in, and it does get a little bit tiresome but yeah it's good i would have preferred third if they if like almost like less is more if they've found other mm-hmm. interesting ways for the nemesis characters to show up and interact with you rather than just the outpost stuff but those moments where they do still appear out of nowhere are pretty good and like you can't put a price on like the random nature of some of them um, yes. or like yeah. when you kill people and like their blood brother will appear there's still a really cool system how you can recruit orcs and get them to spy on the war chief and then you can plan an ambush and the war chief will be all cocky coming towards you and then his two friends will like stab him in the back but then depending on which war chief you do that to sometimes they can have like a call of arm like they'll have a blood brother that'll come and defend them so before you know it's just crazy manic chaos sometimes you can get betrayed by um your own orcs yep yeah yeah, yeah, I had that happen to me. The story's pretty good. Obviously, we all know it plays like fast and loose with a lot of the canon stuff. Oh my God, this is so bad. She loves stuff that's kind of infamous, and then the ending, <laughs> it does something else as well that's pretty um, completely loose with the canon. I'm pretty sure that what they do isn't in any of the books that I remember, or isn't in any of the appendices. Oh, there's there is there's so much nonsense. The the main problems I've been having with it is like you were saying that kind of like the loss of focus, and it seems to be a problem with with Warner Brothers open world games that progress beyond one entry. Arkham Asylum was a really mm-hmm. good, really tight game, and then they blew it out into the whole city. And then with each iteration, they crammed more and more stuff in, and it just became mm. a bit like yeah, there's so much to do, but none of it's really that engaging. Um, like it was in the first one and the problem i've got that i've been having is like even running around in the first area i was like uh i i I was being ambushed by orcs that were like ranger remember me blah 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 blah, blah." and i was like i'm sorry have we met yeah i found that towards the end as well like did you do a particular battle and i felt like okay it's gonna throw out those orcs that i've come 
that I've had a lot of exchanges with and either not mm-hmm. beaten or it's going to twist me, turn me again and be like orcs who have betrayed me and now are fighting like ones I'd be familiar, but it seems to just throw random ones or like unknown captains from your previous mm-hmm. areas that you just hadn't bothered with. And that bothered me, yeah. And especially towards the end where it's like your last stand and you're all, you're gunning for it. You'd expect them to throw the ones you've actually fought against. Yeah, but even if he, even if it does throw you against the ones you fought against, like it throws so many of them at you over such a, over yeah. so many different areas that it's like, it doesn't feel personal anymore. In the first game, if you had like a nemesis, if one of the orcs was causing you trouble and you died to their hand a few times, yeah. um, it felt quite personal and you were determined to overthrow them. In this one, there's just so many of them. It's just like, um, I'm, I guess I fought you at some point. I really can't yeah. remember. And there's some that are memorable that have very different designs to others. So you can't help mm-hmm. but remember them. But they're yes. like few and far between. There are a lot that are very similar. Like a lot of the ones who ride on the back of beasts all kind of look the same. Yeah. There's all the bigger ones that all kind of look the same. There's mm-hmm. a lot that are just like a bare bald guy and they have like a different weapon. And I think that's part of it. If they maybe mixed, like either had less or had more of the unique style rather than the generic ones. Yeah. Um, that'd be good. And some of that can't be helped because I guess if you are unfortunate enough to get killed by like a grunt, they get promoted into the ranks. So then they kind of have that generic look anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I get what you mean. The other problem I had is with the with, with the orcs specifically is like the awkward tonal shifts between the fact that the orcs that are your enemies are you know they're the worst of the worst, they're evil incarnate. But then the ones that you've brought over to your side sometimes they're just you know they're a bit, they're cheeky chappies. So like the yeah. first one, the the Australian one, yeah, yeah I don't know what his real name is. I think it's Bruce. Just, yeah. Which is a little bit close to Bruce. Um, I just call him Bruce. <laughs> just call we're, him Bruce, we're friends yeah. now. <laughs> when he's all like, when you go to assault your first uh, fortress and a guy comes out and says something in um, in the black speech and he says, he's going away. So it's like, oh, he said something about like he's going to kill you or whatever. He says, My kind of bloke and all this. Yeah, nonsense. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you're not supposed to be comic relief. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be an orc. <laughs> yeah. And there's a little yeah. bit too much of that. Um, it can't decide whether it wants to be, you know, a dark, gritty story or, you know, a, a bit mm. funny in places. And uh, it's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame. But uh, at the same time, it's really fun to play. Yeah. Like playing the minutiae and manipulating that nemesis system is really fun. The combat's mm. still really slick. Yeah. Some of the new abilities, tree stuff's really cool. Mm-hmm. So you finish the main story. The credits don't roll. You just get a voice, you like get some, there's a bit of story playing out and then like a voiceover and it's kind of saying, but your story isn't over yet. And then it pops up and says, act four, shadow wars, and then explains how this horrible system works of there's like 10 stages to conquest and go through. But whilst you're trying to conquest other areas, the AI is also attacking areas you've already won. And if you lose one stage, you have to go back and do that before you can progress. From what I understand, this is where all the loot crates come into play because the orcs that keep attacking you are like higher levels than the ones you will have acquired during normal play of the game. And mm-hmm. one go of it and thought, I can't be asked with this. I'm done with this game. I've put like 30 to 40 hours in. That's enough for me. So I've kind of put it down and considered it beaten, like I've beaten the story mode. I've seen the end cutscene. Just because the credits haven't rolled, I'm okay with that. I may go back to it later. I don't know. I heard about this this system towards the end, so I've already started trying to preempt that by, you know how once you've conquered an area, you can send your war chiefs to go and just fight in an arena. In the pits, yeah. Yeah, and if they win, they level up. I've just, yep. just sat there and just keep putting through that whilst I'm reading Reddit or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah it's not bad idea. just keep pushing their level up people have also suggested because you can uh when you're doing the sieges on the other things you can pick to i don't know have a drake fly over with you have all these other weapons and stuff i managed to conquer some without even doing that so you don't necessarily even need to do all that extra stuff and you're saving yourself the in-game currency you can't buy mm. the top of the top chests with the in-game currency, but you could still buy higher level orcs than the ones you would naturally acquire. No. So you're saving yourself a yeah. bit of work. Uh, they would still need leveling up somewhat. Um, but yeah, I've decided not to do that for now. There's other stuff I want to play. There is one activity you can do in it, which seems to reward you with a gold chest every time you do it. And 
even if it didn't, I would probably do anyway because it's really fun, is the jumping into somebody else's world instance and killing their... Uh, oh, killing an orc who killed them. The online vendettas, yeah. Yeah, that stuff's really fun. Yeah, I've only done a couple of them. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I just sat and, and like grounded out a bunch of those for a while because you get a gold chest each time you complete mm. one. Um, and they're just fun anyway because it's like it has it has no bearing on your game. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like win or lose, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Okay. Well, mm. maybe I'll try that when I do go back to it eventually. Next thing I played, The Evil Within. I played it over October around Halloween time. It's an all mm. right if... It feels like a bit of a B-movie version of a Resident Evil game. has some interesting mm. ideas that it never really fully realises. So yeah, it's all right. You can pick it. I got it for like $5 last time it was cheap on their Xbox. Um, next thing I played, SteamWorld Dig 2. I talked about buying before. Amazing game. Everyone should play it. Really peaceful. It's like a... People call it Metroidvania, but it's not really. It's like a mining platformer game. Um, mm-hmm. follows on from the directly from the first game. You have to rescue the character from the first game. Um, you just dig in, kind of start at ground level and then you kind of have to keep digging lower and lower. So you can only dig so far before like your inventory's full and you don't have any light left. And then you go back up to a village, buy more resources, buy like better abilities so you can dig through rock quicker. A uh, really fun game. It's on, I played it on Switch, but I also think it's available on most of the other consoles and certainly PC. Yep. Uh, played Life is Strange before the Storm episode one. Wasn't completely convinced about it. Chloe's voice acting's a bit dodgy because it's not, uh, Ashley Birch because it was made during the writer's strike that's now come to an end. For the most part, it's a pretty uninteresting story, but it did get interesting towards the end and had a pretty cool ending like chloe got angry about something and then did something pretty terrible um so episode two's already out i believe and i might play that this evening and the last game i've been playing which is a game i played uh xbox preview event like three years ago i think one christmas his cuphead bloody brilliant looks amazing um not only the most impressive thing about it is not only did they nail like that old cartoony graphical style also, the music is phenomenal and the sound effects mm-hmm. are amazing. Like, there's a pig in the shop who sounds like perfect. He says welcome, but in a really like piggy, like squealing voice. It's so good. <laughs> um, but it's rock hard. Um, mm-hmm. all it's, they did spend time to add platform levels, but it's still like 75% of the levels are still boss levels. Um, you're talking bosses with like three, four, sometimes even like five forms. Um, I'm mm. only up to the second island and I can't beat any of the bosses in the second island so far. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a really good game. Definitely recommend it. But just bear in mind, it's hard as nails. They said it was from the start and they ain't lying. And that's it from me. For me then, um, I have been playing... Well, I've been playing more Monster Hunter stories. I am 40 plus hours or so into it now. Possibly only about halfway through the main story maybe a little bit more than that um but i'll probably eventually talk more about that whenever i actually get around to finishing it um but i'm thoroughly enjoying that for the meantime it's lovely just to be able to play it on the 2ds whenever you're out and about and that's probably one of the reasons why i have so many hours already clocked up on that uh the other games that i've been playing then are i we received a code um from brain and brain uh developers for burly men at sea um so i have been playing and i completed that it's available on pc it's uh, available on mobile devices as well really really good and clever fun, game it? yeah my, i think my one criticism of it could have maybe a little bit more variety in the sort of story lines as such sure. but really enjoyable the main premise of it is you take control of three burly men who go out to sea <laughs> and then straight away get eaten by a whale and then from there your adventure starts Everything or all the different story threads that you um, can go through are decided by what actions you take um, or what items you find or how you manipulate the things on screen um, while you're playing it. And yeah, each playthrough, maybe 40 minutes or so, maybe a little bit less. 
Um, there was what twenty five achievements in total um, on Steam on the PC version that I played, and I think I sort of my total was maybe a little over three hours of total playtime to get all twenty five of them. But it's just really enjoyable, and it has its own little sense of humor as well. Um, the fact that you know, rid- whenever you start out, you start off in a village and you talk to the rest of the people in the village. Um, you start to uh, talk to a woman who is the baker of the village and what have you. Uh, you talk to the blacksmith who basically just grunts at you um, yeah. and doesn't really say anything. And then the final one that you get talking to is the guy running the coffee shop on this little island who then you find out um, after your first playthrough that the library of books that you see in the background there are then your stories. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Which, but overall, just wonderful um, to play. They, very clever the way they've done it as well, in that each version of the stories that you do gets its own unique five-digit code, um, which you can then go on to the developer's website and input that. Whenever you input that, you then have the option of actually getting a hard-bound and printed um, book of that adventure um, that you can actually then purchase and uh, get sent to you. Um, I didn't look at the prices, but I've seen people on Twitter saying that that book is just so well put together, um, and each one is obviously unique to the adventure that you mm-hmm. purchase it for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a really nice little touch that actually gives you a physical memento um, of your adventure in the game. Um, so yeah, definitely worth picking up. Really, really nice. Um, I have also been playing Ruya, um, which was recently released there by uh, Miracle T Studios, um, who we had on on our previous episode there for an interview. It is a match three game, but it's a clever match three game in that it has a little story. Each level has its own um, sort of winning conditions and things. There's little sort of story threads or a little bit of narrative as you go through the levels. There's 64 levels in total, uh, divided across eight worlds. Um, and then each little world will have maybe an extra little mechanic, um, that wasn't available in any of the previous worlds. And it is just so lovely to play and so relaxing. And the fact that they have it up on iOS for 99p mm-hmm. um, is an absolute steal. Mm. Uh, so it is. Um, it's just a, such a wonderful little game to play and uh, highly worth checking out. The last of the three games that I've been playing then is Samaros 3, um, which is by Amanita Design, oh. um, who are known for the other Samaros games and uh, Machinarium. And Botanicula. Don't forget Botanicula. Oh, oh, yes. That game is yes, so good. Yep. Samorost 3, for anybody who's played either of the other previous two, and you should really go and just look up the first one because it's available for free on their website just as a little flash game and is wonderful to play and gives you a really good taster um, for the other two games. Um, Samorost 3 follows the same amazingly conceived worlds, that's <laughs> probably the best way, <laughs> um, which are half organic and half parts of it are mechanized as well there's robots and things there's loads of different little animals there's quirky other little characters that you interact with um they're just and they are just beautiful to look at um so they are you look at them and you think you know it it looks too good to look as if it's been done on a computer but by the same respect you then go if that had been done any other way that would have taken a ridiculous amount of time and energy um, to do, and that's not to say that it, that didn't happen on the PC as well, mm. but they are just stunning to look at. Yeah. It's also very, very clever and follows on from sort of the design uh, of the other ones and Machinarium in that there, there's no words. Um, everything is done through uh, sort of little pictures, little pictures and speech bubbles and things. Mm. And even the sort of little clues and things are all done by sort of little visual clues on screen and things like that. And for it being a point and click adventure, nearly everything that you would need to solve a puzzle is probably on the screen in front of you. Mm. There's only sort of very rare occasions where you might take an item from that screen, but it's usually after you've solved the puzzle. And then you can take that onto the uh, another screen and use that uh, there. Um, absolutely beautiful and uh, definitely recommended uh, for people to go and have a look at. Have you seen the um, uh, about their new game? 
No, um, I haven't seen anything as yet. Uh, they've got a new game coming out called, I think it's pronounced Kukel, uh, C-H-U-C-H-E-L. Um, mm-hmm. And it looks, oh, it just looks absolutely, I love the, the art style, um, art mm-hmm. styles, because they're, they've, they've varied a little bit uh, across mm-hmm. games, the art styles that they use in the, in the video games. Um, and they always have um, incredible music in the games as well. I think they, they have yeah. done some interactive um, quasi-game sort of pieces for uh bands and artists before as well oh, okay. i think um if i remember correctly mm-hmm. um yeah uh the, yeah they, they, they just make them yeah their stuff is is uh they're overused words but whimsical and charming yes <laughs> yeah that's definitely <laughs> the best way uh, i was describing them and again just very unique art styles um they're very much their own um you look at them and you go yeah immediately that's and I'm a needed designed yeah. uh, game, so it is. Um, yeah, absolutely stunning. Mm. Okay, um, very quickly then, what are your recommendations from your games? Mark? Super Mario Odyssey. Hands down, absolutely Super Mario Odyssey. Adam, what about you? Uh, the same, but I will say SteamWorld Dig 2 is a close second. For myself, I just purely for the, um, the f- price point on it, uh, Ruya. And the fact that it's then mobile as well mm. um, has to be my recommend. Um, but for anybody curious, go and try the first um, game in the Samaros series because it is free and it's lovely. And will probably take you about 20 minutes and will either totally sell you on the idea or put you off completely. So <laughs> it's worth your 20 minutes time. Definitely. Okay, uh, the last thing that I have then for this episode is basically a very short, well, short-ish mini-topic. Over the weekend, uh, I saw a picture um, on my Twitter feed um, that had been posted by a Twitter account called AtMoogieZero. Basically, they posted up a small snippet of a comment that had been left on a game on Steam. Uh, The comment says, The most I can say about this game, however, is that it's impressively short. Generally speaking, I judge the total playtime value from the price of the game. For example, if a game is $10, I expect at least 10 hours worth of playtime. It doesn't say what that game uh, that was being commented on was, um, but at Moogie Zero then sort of retorted back saying, Steam has destroyed people's conception of the value of video games, both monetary and artistic. Um... Later on over the weekend, uh, Rami Ismail um, of Lambier uh, then posted saying, So by that logic, if Nuclear Thrones average playtime for people who click with it, it, with it is 200 plus hours, uh, thereby implying would they have paid £200 or $200 for it? Mm. Yeah, it's just a very odd situation that people seem to look past the artistic integrity um, of games mm. and look purely at the price points and, f- and feel shortchanged. I'm absolutely guilty of that from um, from time to time. Like, I mm-hmm. will... Uh, I'll, I'll make no qualms about saying, oh, I'll, I'll buy, you know, full price uh, a copy of the new Call of Duty or full price copy of Destiny with the season pass or whatever but Firewatch comes along on console and I'm like hmm I'll, I'll wait until it's cheap it's not a very long game yeah. mm-hmm. and I, I know I shouldn't look at it that way at all it's unfair uh, to the developers mm-hmm. especially whenever a lot of these games that people would be looking at are by indie teams or even just solo developers in their own right who have obviously spent an awful lot of time um, making this. Usually if they're indie developers and things as well, they have done that while juggling other jobs um, and are literally making this in their spare time. And for somebody to turn around and say that something isn't worth it because they expect to get an R per dollar that they spend mm. um, on a game just seems mm. slightly ridiculous. Yeah. Admittedly, at the other end of the scale, then you have people who play an awful lot of uh, sort of multiplayer online games and things like that. And yes, okay, with things like um, Call of Duty World War Two, you probably will get a good value um, out of that and the playtime that um, you'll actually get out of that for, for spending what fifty, sixty pounds or whatever on. 
Sure. Um, but it's unfair to dismiss um, something that maybe costs £5 or even £10 knowing that you will get less than a certain amount of time out of that. It's the experience that you're going for. Yeah, because all, all I'm getting out of playing hours and hours of a multiplayer shooter is having played hours and hours of glorified you know, laser tag uh, yeah. in a video game. Uh, and not really anything of any artistic value. No, no story, mm-hmm. no, you know, nothing that's going to, uh, leave an impact on me. Um, whereas something like Gone Home, which is what, a couple of hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I didn't play that until it came out free on, uh, on PS Plus, but uh, having experienced it now, I would have quite happily paid full price for that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have, pap- yeah, I would have happily paid, you know, twenty odd quid for a game that only takes a couple of hours to to um, to complete because I get more out of that than I, I, than I ever would out of hundreds of hours of a multiplayer shooter. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, there's such good examples. You know, you'd mentioned Gone Home um, is a very good example um, of it. Uh, another game that I've played is Three Fourths Home which is purely a narrative game. You know, you're reading the text and the story on screen mm-hmm. while basically holding down a button on your controller um, that drives or is the accelerator basically on the car that is on screen. Um, but it's basically about you, you know, or the character um, being caught up in the um, sort of mid-southwest or whatever in America during um, tornado season or hurricane season. Mm-hmm. And you're experiencing the phone call as you're driving home to your parents and your family and you want to know what comes out of that. Now that game is, if memory serves, uh, about four pounds on Steam and it's maybe say about an hour, an hour and a half um, experience Mm -hmm. but oh my goodness, you know, the storyline and how well written all of that is, is phenomenal. And I certainly don't regret, um, you know, picking that up. Yeah. Another good example, and I know Adam has played this, is Leave Oma, oh, which yeah. is about a sh- a short walk um, through a forest with your grandma at different times of the year. Sometimes she's there, sometimes she's not, and you just pick up the narrative thread um, of how it has been, you know, for the life of those characters. Yeah. Um, and you just would not get that from a big studio. And okay, you're, an indie developer is never going to sell that at a triple A price, but those games should certainly not be dismissed, um, for the shortness of them or even for the price that you would pay for them. Yeah, agreed. And it's even what you get out of the game. Um, and obviously this this is a very specific example, but sometimes you get something out of a game that sticks with you a little bit longer. Like um, the other night I had uh, my first ever playthrough on uh, Wheels of Aurelia, um, mm-hmm. which another one I didn't pay any money for. I ended up getting getting it free on, on PS Plus. Um, or was it on PS Plus? Or did I pick up at a sale? I can't remember. Um, it's one that's mm-hmm. been sat on my console for ages. But yeah, I, I ended up playing through that. I played through the one playthrough of it because there's multiple different ways that game could end. Um, and it took about 25 minutes for that particular playthrough. And then I went mm-hmm. off and spent the next two hours or so reading about Red Brigades and um, the counterculture and politics in Italy in the 60s and 70s and whatnot. Stuff that yeah. I previously <laughs> uh, absolutely knew nothing at all about. Um yeah, uh, I, I like it when video games can kind of engage me and uh, engage my interest in something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like even if you were to play through all of the, uh, you only to get through all the endings of that game. That's still only only a few hours. Absolutely, but yet it's powerful. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so it is. It's probably the best way of um, talking about it. Mm. And again, the just the emotional resonance um, of those games, as opposed to you know driving around a circuit or whatever or you know shooting a whole load of nazis you know it's they are two completely different experiences yes um yeah you know you could almost equate it with something like you know if you're actually using it as talking about art you know you if you want to go and see a piece of art properly you have to go and see the original and to go and see the original you have to make the effort 
to go travel, to go to the gallery, and, you know, depending on what that piece of art is, actually spend some time getting to see it. You know, for example, the Mona Lisa is obviously the best example of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, some people will get there, see the Mona Lisa and go, yeah. But other people, it will be, you know, a real wow moment uh, that they will remember. And an awful lot of games do try that, but a lot of them are just dismissed by, again, certain areas of gaming culture, mm. sadly. A lot of people kind of get a little bit tied up, especially when it comes to like open world games, um, RPGs, um, open world RPGs as well, uh, in tied <laughs> up and they're like, oh, there's like 200 hours worth of content in this game. Um, yeah. It's like, that's that's great. That'll keep you occupied for ages and you know, uh, more power to you. But how much of that content is genuinely engaging? Yeah. Uh, and quite often it's not, 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 not that much. I have noticed recently they're actually um, on the Humble have started occasionally putting sort of an average playtime or whatever mm-hmm. um, on their game bundles and things for each of the games. Um, there's a new strategy bundle that came out today, so City Skylines is on there as well as Train Simulator 2017. Mm-hmm. Now, both of those are massive games that you could probably sink an awful lot of time into. Well, they're never-ending. Um, Basically, yeah, you can just keep on going on them. Um, so I think the average playtime that was listed for those two um, was 60 hours and 40 hours. Um, I'm not sure which way around that was, but it was in the round that. Mm. But again, people who want to play those games will play them. Um, but again, other people will dismiss it because you know, they don't want to drive a train um, or at least have no interest in that world. Mm. Um, but Again, for anybody to be dismissive of a game that they don't like purely because of what it represents or the amount of playtime that it may or may not give them, mm. um, I think is short-sighted. There's also something that, that uh, I think when we were talking about this on Twitter that, that you raised, Adam, about the kind of um, uh, Oh, the race to the bottom? Yeah, it's 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 like uh, it it people's idea of how much a game should cost fluctuates depending on what sort of platform it's on. Yeah, yeah. regardless of how much time and effort went into that game, like uh, um, people were. Uh, this is just one example. Where people like balking at having to pay ten pounds or ten dollars or whatever it was for Super Mario Run. Yep. So, yeah. So, well, how much would you pay for a full fledged Mario game on a console? Yeah. Like it's quid. not even just necessarily mm-hmm. the platform, is it? It's more the genre, because I guess like certain indie games, people would never consider spending like full price for them. People have a in their mind a set idea what each thing should be worth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then mobile is just part of that problem, kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't look at it that way. It depends no, on games again. No. I almost think of it like a movie. Like there's some. I think it's more the content on what I'd be willing to pay. So whatever the set price is, that's fine. I'll pay it. But say like there's some movies I absolutely have to see like day one. I want to go see at the cinema no matter what. Pay the extra premium price for that experience. Like Blade Runner 2049. Been to see mm-hmm. it twice. Need to watch it. Happy to pay the price it takes to yep. see it on an IMAX screen. Blah de blah. Other movies like the Marvel movies, I'm not as bothered about now. I'll happily wait till it comes out and I can rent it on the Xbox store. And that'll still be yep. the way I'll do it because I'll still get nice HD copy of it, and there's other people that are asked even less who will just wait till it's on TV or pick it out mm-hmm. of a bargain bin at a, from a Walmart or something or an Asda or whatever you want. Um, yep. I kind of think that's my attitude to it more. I make more snap judgment on what it looks like to me and how much I want to pay, not how much I'm going to get out of it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I also don't, wouldn't want to pay that much for Mario Run. Because I think it's I didn't <laughs> I played the like freebie portion of it and didn't yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. So no, no, I I didn't really like it either. It was just it was just an example. example but like yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of I don't I haven't actually played as many uh, mobile games as I probably should have. But still, you've played a lot of mobile games, and I'm sure you will have come across some on on the uh, that came on the phone that you probably would have had absolutely no problems paying five ten pounds for rather than, you know, 99p or whatever it was that they were. Yeah. Um, in fact, actually, 
if a game gets released on mobile and it's either free or is a fairly small cost, if I enjoy it enough, there's a good chance that I will then go on to purchase that um, at a higher price on Steam mm. um, or on PC. Um, you know, obvious ones are Space Plan and uh, another little one called Zenga and Hook. Um, mm-hmm. I all played all three of those on mobile before I then went on to buy them on Steam just mm-hmm. because I really enjoyed them and now the price points um, were either free or maybe were in about a pound or so um, on the mobile device but then obviously you know it's maybe three or four pounds on Steam but certainly I didn't regret um, repurchasing those mm. um, and had an awful lot of fun with those so yeah it's strange, sort of. Even the sort of pricing on mobile can be very strange as well. You know, obviously some games um, will charge you up front and it'll maybe be a couple of pounds. You know, there are exceptions that are maybe over four pounds, but most games will be four pounds and under um, on mobile. But then there's the free ones who will then ask you whether or not you want to remove ads. Now, it always depends on how pernicious the ads are in a game. Um, if I feel they're there to generate a little bit of revenue for the developer and I enjoy the game enough, then I will quite happily pay to remove those. Yes. Um, but if I feel that they are coming on too strongly, um, chances are I will actually just delete the game. Um, it would take a very good game, um, for me to decide to either pay to remove those or put up with, um, the ads that, um, sort of keep repeating and things like that. Mm. But certainly, I think, as Adam has said, mobile has seemingly skewed people's price perceptions um, because an awful lot of mobile games do come out as free and are supported by in-app purchases or in-app ads. Um, but again, to an extent, a lot of this has been going on for decades. You know, I put up an example just in the art chat um, that I remember going down to a local shopping centre, walking into a little computer store there and um, this was back in the old Spectrum days, so you would have been able to pick up a budget Spectrum game for two or three pounds um, back in the 80s. Now, admittedly, with inflation, that's probably a good bit more. But those were games like, um, you know, Dizzy or TLL or um, even the sort of the old Batman um, game, what have you, that were then had been out at full price and were then reduced, but you were still getting a full game yeah. for, you know, a fraction of. Um, what a big title would have cost. Um, so yeah, th- the uh, concept has been around for an awful long time. Um, but yeah, I just think that an awful lot of people are very dismissive of short games that are more expensive that, than the their perceived playtime hmm. is. For sure, and it's 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 sometimes it's not just the um, perceived playtime; it's also the uh, you know someone they look at it and say, "Oh, it's got you know it's got uh, it's it's not got amazing graphics or anything like that, so it can't be worth the money." Yeah, um, uh, I mean, like with the mobile games, the only uh, the only uh, well, I'm just looking at what I've got installed at the moment, and the only ones I'd really that I think I've paid any money for that I would have happily paid more money for were is Reigns and um, a normal lost phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both very simple looking games, but the, uh, a hell of a lot of time and thought must have gone into both of those that yep. you, I don't know the average, I guess the average consumer just kind of ignores. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it's not big and shiny. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, seeing some articles and things about the AE, Xbox One X coming out today, and then people being um, dismissive of gamers who aren't spending 450 quid on a new console. Yes. Um, just seems ridiculous. Um, for context, there was an article on the BBC website just basically saying that the Xbox One X was out, and they were talking to a YouTuber um, who basically said that this, or the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro are aimed at the hardcore gamer market (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, my argument is that no they're not they're aimed at people who yes do like quality but also have enough money to be able to buy those i'm sitting with a ridiculous backlog on my gamecube on the wii on the wii u on the dreamcast whether or not that makes me a hardcore gamer i'm certainly a hardcore collector Mm -hmm. um by that (laughs) respect um yeah. And even our own Kev um, actually completed Lego Ninjago, the movie game, um, basically over the space of two days. 
Now, again, an awful lot of people would dismiss him as just being a casual gamer, but he still completed the game in over two days. Mm. And, yeah, the misnomer of hardcore or average gamers um, is another bugbear of mine, but we'll not get into that at this stage. And I mean, I've got a, I've got a 4K TV, I've got a PlayStation 4 Pro, I've got a pretty large collection of big, shiny bells and whistles, AAA games, and... Um, aside from Football Manager, which I, my crushing addiction continues, um, <laughs> the games I go back to the most, the one, the ones that I, I there's, there's two games that I'll just keep going back to over and over again. When I just like, I'll, I'll look at the big collection of big shiny games I've got, and I'll be like, can't be bothered. Um, and I'll play either Mini Metro or Polybridge, <laughs> which are both fantastic. Oh, games. they're so good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, um, part of it does come down to the gaming equivalent of comfort food, but that's not to say that those games aren't ridiculously well put together in the first place. Yeah. And the fact that you want to go back to them says an awful lot more about the quality of them than it would about, say, a AAA title. And again, there have been people bringing up, you know, a lot of the AAA titles like um, Call of Duty series and what have you, Mm -hmm. having very short campaign modes. The people complaining about those having short campaign modes then spend hundreds of hours in multiplayer, Mm -hmm. but will still whinge about an eight-hour campaign mode that they then spend, you know, 60-odd quid or whatever on. Oh, no. People have been really complaining about this year because the campaign's apparently only six hours long. I know. Poor them. Never mind that it's like... (laughs) Uh, you know loads of different multiplayer modes and uh the co-op zombies thing and it's like regardless of what your opinion of call of duty is and and mine on on the whole has been pretty low um you can't Mm. fault those games for having a good amount of content it's just people get a little bit like yeah people complained about the titanfall 2 uh, campaign. Oh, it's too short. Yeah. There should be more of it. It's like no, no, there, there shouldn't be. It's it's. No, it was perfect. It's perfectly. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's perfectly paced. Perfectly length. Sometimes more is not better, as we found. Have we? As you and I, Adam, have found with uh, Shadow of War. Yeah. Do you know the um, uh, Coen Brothers film Blood Simple, the first film they ever made? Mm-hmm. The director's cut is shorter than the theatrical cut because they knew that they didn't need as much as there was in the theatrical cut to make it the best version of that film. And sometimes that's the same with uh, with with um, video games as well. It doesn't need to be like Gone Home could have gone on for another two, four, six hours, and uh, I think it would have completely lost me if it had. It was perfectly paced, yeah, perfectly length. Yeah, again, even talking about Burly Men at Sea because we mentioned it earlier in the show. You know, a little playthrough, thirty minutes. If I'd wanted to, I could have walked away there and then. Yeah. And come back to it maybe in a month's time. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I decided to basically do the whole thing in um, sort of over three days or whatever, um, just with a little bit of playtime whenever I got it, does not mean that I didn't enjoy it any more or less than I would have if I'd just come back to it every now and again. In fact, coming back to it every now and again probably would have been an even better way of experiencing it. Because each time would have seemed a little bit fresher. Mm -hmm. And again, it's how much you want to spend on games. Mm. You bought Call of Duty World War 2. Spent, what, 50 50 pound or so on it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You could go on to Steam, buy 50 games for under a pound each. Yes. And you would have a much wider variety of different games. More singular experiences with those games Mm -hmm. and I would dare say if you're really counting playtime you would get more than an hour out of each of those games as well yeah and and I'd probably have a better time and yeah I'm just lazy (laughs) (laughs) and also the fact that each of those devs uh, developers and what have you would be an awful lot more thankful to you for spending that one pound on their game than a AAA studio would be for spending 60 Oh, all right, Stu, I, I get it. I'll spend more money on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> Not even that. Just go on to itch.io and even try some of the free games. Even some of the free games on Steam yeah. are well worth your time mm. uh, for nothing. Everybody should definitely go out and look at something that they wouldn't normally pick up or dismiss because it is either too cheap or doesn't look the way they would expect a game to look. Rant over. Mm. Go out yeah. and... Um Get Mini Metro and get Polybridge and then buy the soundtrack to Polybridge. <laughs> <laughs>
Just as a little heads up, chances are I'm going to be running my free games through January um, recommends as well. So yes, uh, look out for those probably on our Twitter feed um, in January where I bombard everybody and give props to developers who have put out really, really good free games um, that you can go and play. Nice. No particular shout-outs um, other than our fantastic listeners. We are now over 620, I think 625 listeners last time I looked at Podbean, mm. um, with about 13.2 thousand listens, um, according to our Podbean stats. We have been keeping an eye on that um, sort of over the last month or so, and that has actually jumped up. Um, probably by at least 1,000-odd listens in less than a month. Uh, so thank you to whoever that was that decided to binge uh, <laughs> our whole back catalogue. Also thanks to any of the developers and what have you that have recently started following us on Twitter. We have been doing some follow-backs and things, and we've actually had um, some interactions with some, um, as well as a couple of other PR devs and things like that. So it's really nice to see getting a little bit... F- of feedback from um, developers and things, and also hopefully uh, giving them a potential uh, way of reaching uh, new listeners and things as well. So, thank you to everybody um, who's currently listening, and uh, with that, I would just like to say goodbye. Bye. Sarah. Bye.